help us. Lord, I ask that you would please help me as I attempt to go through this passage, as I attempt to preach the Bible. Lord, I pray you would help me to say the things that you would have me to say, that this would be a time of instruction, a time of learning, that we would really get to know this passage and learn the biblical principles here. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Judges chapter number 11. Now, if you remember last week, we uh, were in Judges 11. We dealt with the first part of Judges 11. Uh, honestly, most of Judges chapter 11. And this week, we're going to be dealing with the part uh, that is actually the most well-known part of the passage. I'm getting a text message that the lady speaker is not working. Let me take a look at that real quick. Figure out if I can get there. You want to go over there, Brother Vincent? And see if... Uh, working for them, and make, sh- make sure it's working for them, we don't, if their speaker isn't working over there, then they take out the Monopoly board, you know what I mean, and uh, no, it's working, it's working out, so we want them to hear the preaching, and uh, okay, I think it's working, so we were in Judges chapter number 11, and last week we began, we dealt with the first 29 verses, do you remember how we talked about Jephthah, and how he overcame his past? And just, just by way of review, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but look at verse 1. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. And do you remember this? He was the son of an harlot. The word harlot means a prostitute. And Gilead began Jephthah. So Jephthah, we stated that he, he, he had a rough upbringing. I mean, he was born to a prostitute, which obviously, if his dad was having a relationship with a prostitute, means number one, he was an accident. Number two, he wasn't wanted. He, he was born out of adultery, verse 2. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his wife's sons grew up. And notice, and they thrust out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit our father. So not only was he born out of adultery, not wanted by his father, not wanted by his mother, his father's sons throw him out of the house, kick him out, the Bible tells us that he went, uh, verse 3, and Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob, and there were gathered vain, which means empty or uh, uh, useless men to Jephthah. So he started running with the wrong crowd. So here you got a guy, his mom is messed up, his dad is messed up, his family doesn't love him, his friends are not the right crowd. I mean, this guy had a messed up upbringing. And none of us would blame him if he just was a complete failure in life. And I'm not going to take the time through it, but we went through verse by verse in those 29 verses there and showed the things that Jephthah did to be able to overcome his past. And God can help each and every one of us to overcome the sin in our past. When we get to verse number 30 of the passage, here is what Jephthah in the Bible is actually the most well known for. And this passage is often used by Bible critics to try to talk down the Bible or try to cause you to have a lapse of faith in the Word of God or in the Bible. If you remember, Jephthah grew up to be a great warrior. They called him back to his homeland where they had originally kicked him out of. They called him back to go help him fight against the king of Moab and his brethren. And I want you to notice... What Jephthah does in verse number 30. Remember, he's getting ready to go into a huge battle. Okay? We're, we're, we, we dealt with verses 1 through 29 last week. Verse 30, Bible says, this is the most well-known thing Jephthah is known for. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord. Now I want you to understand this, okay? There are two main parts to this story. And I, and I, I want to try to make it as simple as possible. But I want you to understand number one. Jephthah did... The right thing 
But he did it in the wrong way. You say, what are you talking about? Look at verse 31. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 30. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, now notice what he says, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands. Now I want you to understand this. Jephthah did the right thing. He did a good thing. What was he doing? He was seeking God's blessing. I mean, he was asking God, I don't know about you, but I would think it'd be a smart thing before you go into battle to take a moment to pray and ask God to help you. Take a moment to pray and ask God to bless you. Take a moment to pray and ask God uh, to be with you. And listen to me. Would to God that we, as God's people, would take time before we go to work, before we step out of the house, before we begin the day, when we're spending time with our children, spending time with our kids. Hey, it might be a good thing for us to stop every once in a while to just ask God to bless us. He was doing the right thing. It was a good thing for him to do. Now keep your finger there in Judges chapter 11. Go to James chapter number 4. James chapter number 4. I hear often by people, they say, the reason I don't pray is because God doesn't hear my prayers. The reason I don't pray is because God doesn't answer prayers, or I don't believe that God can help me. Let me tell you something, God can help anyone. But the Bible tells us, are you there in James? I want you to see in the New Testament, James, right after with the book of Hebrews, towards the end of the New Testament, James chapter number 4. Do you, want, do you want to know the number one reason prayers don't get answered today? Do you want to know the number one reason God does not move in our midst and God does not move in our families and God does not move in our hearts today? I'll tell you exactly what the number one reason it is. If you look there, James chapter number 4, look at verse number 2. Ye lust and have not. Now I want you to notice, the emphasis is this. The word lust there, obviously we know what the word lust means, but it's not just talking about a physical relationship. It's talking about desiring something. He says, you desire, but you don't. Ha- you have not. Ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. That's what our world does. Our world says, I want that, so I'm going to go take it. I want that, so I'm going to break a window and I'm going to come into the church house. A few weeks ago, we had somebody come into the church of God and steal you know, from, from the house of God. Now, you got to be pretty messed up to break into a church, you know, of all places, and steal from the church. But you know, that's the mentality we have today. Today, people think, I want that, I'm going to get it. I'm not going to work for it, I'm going to take something. Let me tell you something. The, the Bible still says, thou shalt not steal. Did you know that? You know, I'm, I'm amazed how much we justify stealing in our society. Let me tell you something. It is wrong to take something that someone worked for, someone got up, went to work every day, put in hours, got a paycheck, saved their money, purchased something, and then some loser, some kid, some child, we talked about it this morning, somebody who's not willing to work, says, I'm going to go take that from them. God says, you, you, you lust. Notice what it says. Verse 2. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill. You kill to get something and desire to have and cannot obtain. You know why? Because you'll never be satisfied with just taking things. But you know what? God says, I can give you everything you desire. Amen. So I can give you everything that will make you happy. See, what you think will make you happy will leave you empty. But God says, I can fill that. Notice, He says, Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war and ye have not. He says, you go, hey, that, that's our countries. Go to war over things like oil. Go to war over things that we don't need. He said, you fight and you war. You, you get into all these things. You have not. Now notice, He says, ye have not because ye ask not. Well, the number one reason our prayers don't get answered? Because we don't pray. 
God says the reason you don't have something is because you're not asking for it. Look at verse 3. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss. Not only do we not get our prayers answered because we don't ask, we don't get our prayers answered because when we do ask, we're asking outside of the will of God. He says, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. You're asking, you know what, and, and please understand. I'm hesitant to even say this. But I'm gonna, you know, that's never stopped me before. <laughs> but listen to the prayers. Honestly. And, and please understand what I'm, what I'm saying. I'm not saying this to criticize anyone. But listen to the average prayer request that we have in our church. I need this. I need that. Pray that God will give me this. Pray that God will give me that. Now look, I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with praying for things that you need. I'm not saying that at all. But usually our prayers, look at verse 3. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. We pray, but we pray for the things that are according to our will. God says we ought to be praying according to His will. And the number one reason our prayers aren't answered is because we're not praying and we're not praying according to God's will. So don't misunderstand me if you go back to Judges 11. There was nothing wrong with Jephthah saying, God, I'm leading these men into battle. Would you please protect us? Would you please bless us? Would you please help us? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we need more of that. Jephthah did a good thing. But you got to understand this. He did it in the wrong way. Notice verse 30 again. If you go back to Judges 11 verse 30. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said... Now, if you don't mind marking in your Bible, I would circle this word, if. You see that word if there? He says, if thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hand. Verse 31. Notice this word then. Circle that word then. Then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, that shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Now notice this. Jephthah says, if God, you do this, then God, I'll do this. You know what, what Jephthah's doing? He's bargaining with God. You know what Jephthah's doing? He comes to God. He's in a tight situation. And he says, God, if you, do, if you get me out of this situation, if you get me out of this tight squeeze, if you get me out of here, then I promise. I promise I'm going to do this. I promise I'm going to do Understand this. We cannot bargain with God. And if you're bargaining with God, you already messed up. You already started wrong. See, we got to understand this. God is not a God in heaven who wants to ruin our lives. God is a God in heaven who actually wants to bless you. Actually wants to help you. Now listen, sometimes what you need is not what you want. Sometimes what you need is not what you're designed. Because we're asking amiss that it may be consumed upon our lust. But God wants to bless you. Do you believe that? Amen. Then why are you bargaining with God? Why are you saying, God, get me out of this situation. I messed up. Get me out of this situation. If you get me out of this situation, I'll go to church. I promise. Hey, you cannot bargain with God. You're always going to lose. Jephthah did the right thing. But he was doing it the wrong way. See, what Jephthah should have said, and I like, you know, let's just take the time to go there. Go to Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. We've seen this before. But let me show you to you again. Daniel chapter number 3. The Bible says this. The, the Apostle Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And in the book of Daniel, we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those guys? Are you there in Daniel chapter number 3? 
Remember, they were taken up to King Nebuchadnezzar, all the children of Israel were taken up to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they were supposed to bow down to the idol of Nebuchadnezzar. Do you remember that? They said, if we're going to begin to play music here, and when we begin to play music, you're supposed to bow down. Uh, let's see, start, looking, start reading at verse number uh, 8. They played the music, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said they didn't bow down. Could you imagine being at that party? I mean, these are quite some young people. By the way, these weren't grown men, these were young adults. They were at a party, literally at a party, where the king said, the ruler of the known world said, when the music starts playing, you bow to my idol. The music started playing, everybody bows. Three guys are still standing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's quite some character. Not given to peer pressure like that. Verse 8. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. So they, they spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that, he, that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whosoever, uh, I'm sorry, and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Did I forget to mention that? If you don't bow, you get thrown into a fiery furnace. Verse 12. And they stood and bowed. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship thee golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to break Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Now, understand this. King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of the known world. I mean, he is the most powerful man on earth at this time. And he says, bring me those guys. Verse 14. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my God, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, I, I love this. Verse 15. Now, if ye be ready, you know what Nebuchadnezzar is saying? He's saying, look, I'm going to just assume that maybe you didn't understand what you were supposed to do. But here's what you were supposed to do, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the rest of us were drinking, you were supposed to drink. You know, that's called peer pressure. When the rest of us were getting high, you were supposed to get high. When the rest of us were buying down to the, to the idol, that's what you were supposed to do. Now notice verse 15. I'm going to assume that you didn't understand. Now if ye be ready, you see, you see his attitude? That at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kind of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Notice, he says, well, he says, I'm going to give you another chance. We're going to play the music again, and if you bow down, then great, well... But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And notice how he's mocking their God. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Now notice verse 16. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar. Now notice what they say. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Here's what they're saying. We don't need time to think about it. We don't need time to pray about it. We're not even going to think about how we're going to word this. They said, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of the hand, out of thy hand, O king. Now up to there, you and I like that. 
I mean, they said, look, we're not careful to answer you. We are not going to bow to you. Our God is bigger than you. Our God is bigger than your God. Our God is able to deliver us. But I want you to notice, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not saying, if God does this, then we'll do this. Because notice what they said. They said, if, verse 17, it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. Verse 18, notice what it says. But if not, you see that? You know what they're saying? They're saying, if our God delivers us, we're not going to bow. But if He doesn't deliver us, notice what it says. But if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve thy God, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I don't, I don't know if you're understanding the story here, but this is a Christianity that you and I don't understand. Because you know what you and I like to say? We're Jephthahs today. God, if you give me a job, I'm going to serve you with my life. God, if you, uh, you know, reunite my family, I'm going to serve you with my life. God, if you help my marriage, I'm going to serve you with my God. God, if you help me raise good kids, I'm going to serve you with my God. But what if God never gives you a job? What if you do lose your house? What if you do lose your marriage? Hey, you got to still serve God. That's what they were saying. They said, hey, if our God delivers us, then God will deliver us and we won't bow. But if you throw saying? God, if you do it, then I'll serve you. God, if you deliver me, then I'll serve you. He's doing a good thing. But he's doing it the wrong way. Our attitude should be, God, help my marriage. But if you don't save my marriage, I'll still serve you. God, help my children. But if you don't help my children, I'll still serve you. I often give this example. And if you've ever said this to me before, I don't know, I don't remember it. But when my wife has been pregnant, we've often had people say to us, you know, and please, if you've said this before, I'm not saying this to hurt you. But we've often had people say to us, oh, do you know what you're having, a boy or a girl? And we'd be like, oh, we don't know, you know, or whatever. And this is what people, I mean, I've I had so many people say this to me that, honestly, it's not, a, if you said this, it's not an attack on you. But I, I have people say this, this to me. They'll say, they'll say, well, it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl, as long as it's healthy. And this is what I always ask myself. Well, what if it's not healthy? What if it's sick? What if it dies? See, we got to get to this place of Christianity where God is good when things are good and God is good when things aren't good. God is good when the baby is healthy and guess what? If the baby is sick, God's still good. God's still blessed. God's still right. It's not an if-then relationship with God. It's a God is powerful, God is mighty, and whatever God decides to do, I'm content with it. Now, Jephthah did a good thing, but he did it in the wrong way. Now, notice what happens, verse 31. And you got to understand this. This was a very foolish vow that he makes. Look what he says, verse 31. Then it shall be that whatsoever cometh out of my doors of my house. This is the vow that Jephthah's making. He said, Whatsoever cometh out of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Here's what he said. He said, If you give me this battle, God, when I get home, when I'm walking home, the first thing that comes out to meet me out of my house, now he's envisioning that an animal is
is going to mean. You know, under, uh, at this time, the culture was these guys were farmers. Often they had, you know, referring to their house, they're talking about land. He's talking about going into his gate, and he's going to see some real expensive ox, or some cow, or some lamb. And he's envisioning, the first thing that I see, God, I'm going to offer it up to you. Now look, nowhere in the Bible does God ever command us to have a random sacrifice. You know what happens when we start this bargaining with God? Is we start telling God we're going to do things that aren't even in the Bible. Verse 32. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them. And the Lord delivered them into his hands. So he wins a victory. And he smote them from a roar, even till thou come to minute. Even twenty cities and unto the plain of the vineyards with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. Jephthah goes out. He wins the victory. He completely annihilates them. God gives them the victory. Verse 34. And Jephthah came to Mishpah unto his house. And behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances. And she was his only child Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. Now, hold on a second. What was his vow? Look, look at verse 31. Then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. He said, whatever meets me, I'm going to offer it up for a burnt offering. What met him at his door? His daughter. His daughter. Look at verse 34. Then Jephthah came to Mispah. Unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass, when he saw her, that he rent his clothes. This is something they would do in the biblical culture there, to express their sorrow. They would literally rip their clothes off. He rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low. Thou art one of them that troubles me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Now understand this. He did a good thing. And you've got to understand this in your Christian life. And this is, by the way, why at Verity Baptist Church, we emphasize, we emphasize Bible preaching. We emphasize biblical preaching. We don't read three verses and I get up here and give you my opinion for 45 minutes. We look at verses and we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're following through the Bible. We're taking everything from the Bible. You say, why is that? Why do you, you know, tell people you ought to be reading the Bible on your own? You ought to be like the Bereans who search the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Why should you be in your Bible, reading your Bible, learning your Bible, understanding your Bible? Because here's what you got to understand. You can waste your whole life doing a good thing the wrong way. And just because your heart's in it doesn't make it right. Let me give you an example. There are literally thousands of people, and most of them Baptists, who spend hours upon hours upon hours out on street corners or going house to house putting invitations on doors and spend thousands of man hours passing out tracts. Now, did God ever command us to pass out tracts? What did God command us to do? Preach the gospel. Amen. So you can spend thousands of hours passing out invitations, never get anybody saved. Or you can go out and knock on doors and preach the gospel to somebody and get them saved. See, you can do a good thing, it's a good thing, but you're doing it the wrong way. Amen. People spend a whole lot of time reading the Bible, but they're reading the wrong Bible. That's a good thing, but you're doing it the wrong way. Amen. 
You ought to get the Word of God. You ought to read the Word of God. You say, I don't understand that. The wrong Bible, there's a good Bible, there's a God Bible. If you don't understand that, I, I invite you to come back next Sunday. We're going to be preaching a whole subject on the subject of the Bible and the controversy and Bible version. But you got to understand this. You could do the right thing in the wrong way. People, people sometimes, they, they get excited, they'll come to me and say, Pastor Jimenez, I'm tithing. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. And I tithe to the TV preacher. Man, you did a good thing the wrong way. <laughs> Guess what? There's no TV preachers in the Bible. Amen. I'm not against people being on TV, but let me tell you something. The world does not like the Word of God. And when you're actually preaching the Word of God, guess what? People aren't going to like it. Amen. They didn't like Jesus. How did His ministry end? Oh, that's right. They crucified and the Bible says we ought to bring our tithe into the storehouse, into the house of God. So you say, I'm tithing! You're doing a good thing. You're just doing it the wrong way. Say, so how do I make sure I'm doing the right thing the right way? Read the Bible. Make sure you're doing what the Bible says. So he said, number one, you're doing the right thing the wrong way. Number two, I want you to see this. Jephthah not only did the right thing the wrong way, Jephthah also did the wrong thing the right way. This guy getting cut a break. <laughs> you say, what are you talking about? Look at verse 34 again. Now, let me just tell you this. Jephthah ended up killing his daughter. Sacrificing his daughter. Now, some people say, I don't think he actually sacrificed his daughter. The Bible doesn't actually say that. But let me explain to you why I believe he actually did sacrifice his daughter. Look at verse 34. And Jephthah came to Mizpeh unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and he was, she was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. Now, people say this. Jephthah didn't actually uh, you know, sacrifice his daughter. He just sent her off somewhere to be a nun. Now, listen to me. If Jephthah was going out to just send his daughter to be a nun, why did he respond in this way? Verse 35. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low. Thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord and I cannot go back. Is that the type of reaction you get from, I'm going to the convent? I mean, this guy knows he's going to have to sacrifice his daughter. Look at verse 36. And she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened my, thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according as thou as that which has proceeded out of thy mouth, for as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. And she said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months, that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity and I my fellows. And, said, and he said, Go. And he sent her away for two months. And she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months. Now look, verse 39. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father notice what the Bible says who did with her according to his vow is that what the Bible says? what did he do with her? he did according to his vow what was his vow? look at verse 31 again that it shall be that whosoever cometh forth out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the turn of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering that was his vow. What does the Bible say he did? Verse 39, who did with her according to his vow. Does it say he sent her off to be a nun? Does it say he sent her off to be uh, to a convent? Let me explain something to you. In the book of Judges, there was no nuns. There was no convent. There was no Catholic church. There was no such thing. People say, well, I just can't believe that he would... Sacrifice his daughter, and we and we got to come up with some other way to try to justify the Bible. Look, you got to understand this about the Bible. The Bible 
often is a history book. Not just the Word of God. But it's just telling us what people did. And just because Jephthah did this doesn't make it right, but that's what he did. And it ought not shake your faith in God, the fact that a sinner sinned. You understand that? People say, well, Je-, you know, people, I, I've heard people say, this, well, Jephthah killed his daughter. Do you justify the, 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 you know, your God is for, you know, human sacrifice? And my question, where in the Bible does it say that God told him to do that? Amen. See, you and I get ourselves into trouble, start sinning, and then we want to blame God for the things that we've done. God never told him to do that. And I'll, I'll prove it to you. I'll show you a couple of things. But you got to understand this. He did sacrifice his daughter. Look at verse 40. Just to make sure. That the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughters of Jephthah, the Galilite, four days in the year. They went to lament. Do you see that word lament there? You know what the word lament means? To grieve. It means to sorrow. It means to bewail. Are they going to visit this girl at a convent and, and they're sorrowing and grieving and bewailing? The rest of the girls there are probably like, well, really, it's not that bad. They feed us here. <laughs> this, they were lamenting her because she was dead. Don't try to justify the Bible. we got to try to just make it so that it's in our society. Look, God is not interesting in being conformed to us. God is just letting us know, this is the things that humans have done. I heard somebody else, this, this is the silliest one of all. Somebody said to me, and this is one of the problems with going back to the Greek and Hebrew, Hebrew in the Old Testament. Somebody said, and I don't think a lot of people are saying this anymore, but I, I've heard this before where they'll say, well, actually, in the Hebrew, no, act like there's some scholar. If you were to, you know, forget to put the little dot over this letter or, or put a little pin or something on here, you know, you could, the, the word for daughter and the word for rooster are very similar. This is what people actually say. Think, we, think, we think that he messed up and he, he wrote the wrong thing. And he actually sacrificed a rooster and it wasn't his daughter. I think to myself, really? Who was there for? And Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his rooster came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances. And she was his only child? I mean, that's a pretty valuable rooster. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. Look, that, it wasn't a rooster, it was his daughter. He didn't send her off to some camp, he put her to death. Was it the right thing to do? No, it was the wrong thing to do. But you got to understand this, okay? Jephthah put himself in a situation where no matter what he chose to do, it was the wrong thing to do. He said, what are you talking about? Go to Ecclesiastes real quickly. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. Look at verse number 4. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 and verse 4. I'll give you a minute to get there. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 and verse number 4. Ecclesiastes 5, 4, the Bible says, When thou vowest a vow, is that what Jephthah did? You know what it means to vow a vow? It means you're making a promise to God. You're going into a covenant, into a word contract with God. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pray that, I'm sorry, pay that which thou hast vowed. Notice verse 5. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow, than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. When you make a vow to God, you better pay it. Jephthah made a vow to God, and it put him in a situation where if he didn't kill his daughter, he would break his vow to God. And breaking a vow to God would be a sin. But hold on a second. 
Go to Deuteronomy, chapter number 18. Deuteronomy. In your Old Testament, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, chapter number 18. Look at verse number 9. Deuteronomy, chapter number 18, and verse 9. Deuteronomy 18.9 When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. Look at verse 10. There shall not be found among you any that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. Is that what Jephthah was getting ready to do? Or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. So, is God for human sacrifice? No, He's not. Is God for breaking a vow? No, He's not. Do you understand Jephthah put himself in a situation where no matter what he chose to do, it was sin? It was wrong? But why? Here's why. Because he did something that God never told him to do. He made a vow, and his vow was, I'm going to sacrifice at random. God never told you to sacrifice at random, Jephthah. And if you start doing things that God has never told you to do, go back to Judges chapter 11, you're going to get yourself into trouble. Actually, I'm sorry, go, go to Hebrews. Hebrews, uh, chapter number 10. If you were in James earlier with me, right before James, you got Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Now let me just explain something to you, okay? And I, I'm going to give you my opinion right now. Alright? This is my opinion. Do what you want with it. I believe Jephthah did the wrong thing. I'm just telling you, if it was me, and I was in this situation, I would have broken my vow and not killed my daughter. <laughs> That's what I would have done. Alright? And, and let me give you some advice. When you put yourself in a situation where you've got two sins, and that's your only options, try to do the one that's least grievous, okay? And people can put themselves in this situation. Do you remember in, in the book of Joshua, when God told the children of Israel that they were supposed to kill the Gibeonites, they were supposed to go to war with them and completely kill them, but the Gibeonites lied to them and tricked them into having a, 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 a league with them? Okay, and they put themselves in a situation where now, okay, we made a league with them so we can't kill them because that would make us breaking a vow, but God told us to kill them. So now we're in a situation where no matter what we do, we're sinning. And look, oftentimes you and I put ourselves in situations where we're not sinning, where we find ourselves sinning. And here's what you got to understand. Are you there in Hebrews chapter 10? we got to understand this. Our society today has just made a joke of, of sin. Oh, you're making a vow to God and you're going to break it? No big deal. Oh, you're going to sacrifice your daughter because you think that's the right thing to do? Although God tells you multiple times in Scripture not to sacrifice your daughter? Oh, no big deal. You say, we would never say that today. But you know what we say today? Oh, I'm going to do this sin. And I know it's wrong. Have you ever thought this? I know it's wrong, but... Have you ever said that? I know it's wrong, but I think that God would... No, you're already wrong. Look what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. See, once you know something's wrong and you continue to do it anyway, God says, don't come to me with your sacrifice, Jephthah. Don't come to me talking about that. We've already dealt with that. When you didn't know it was wrong, that was one thing. But now you've heard the preaching. You've heard the Bible. You know what's expected of you. And you're still going to continue. God says, 
terrible sin. He said, I don't have any time for that. But you know what you and I think? Oh, it's not that big of a deal. But see, the reason you think it's not that big of a deal is because you've not read the Bible. Because if you read the Bible, you'd realize how God gets angry at sin. How God doesn't want us to live in bondage. How God came to give us freedom and give us liberty, and we don't have to live in the bondage of sin. Go back to Judges chapter 11. We're almost done. Judges chapter 11. We said, number one, Jephthah did the right thing in the wrong way. But number two, I want you to understand this. Jephthah did a wrong thing, and it was wrong. He should not have sacrificed his daughter. But let me tell you something. Something I like about Jephthah a little bit, is even though he was doing something wrong, he did it in the right way. Say, what are you talking about? Look at verse 35 again. And it came to pass, when he saw her, that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low. Thou art one of them that trouble me. Now notice what he says, okay? Now he's doing the wrong thing. But this is a good attitude. For I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Now listen, he's doing the wrong thing. But he's doing it in a right way. And would to God, you and I would get this attitude. Where we would say, you know what? I have opened my mouth to the Lord, and I cannot go back. You know how many marriages would be saved today? You know that in America... 60% of marriages end in divorce. When a man and a woman walk down an aisle, stand before a preacher, and make a vow before God to love one another, to care for one another, to be there for one another, till death do us part. What to God marriages in America today? What to God Christian marriages in America today would have this attitude, hey, you know, we're having tough times, and we're struggling financially, and we've been fighting more than we ever have, but I'm not Now you saying it for a wrong thing, but it ought to be a good attitude for when you decide, hey, I'm going to read my Bible every day. Don't go back on that vow. Hey, I'm going to be faithful to church. Don't go back on that vow. Hey, I'm going to get away from this lifestyle. I'm going to get away from the alcohol and the drugs. I'm going to get away from the gangs. I'm going to get away from all that bad stuff. And I'm going to get in the Word of God. I'm going to get around God's people. I'm going to do right. Hey, don't go back on that vow. He had a really great attitude for the wrong thing. And it's funny to me, how many people in sin are so committed to their sin? And those of us that have the truth are just kind of like, eh, well, you know. Wrong thing, good attitude. Right thing, bad attitude. See, what you and I do, we like to be like Jephthah. We like to do the right thing, but we add our non-knowledge of what God actually wants in our lives, and we do it the wrong way. And Jephthah here was doing the wrong thing, but he had a good attitude about it. He did it the right way. Should he have done it? No. I don't believe he should have. Maybe you do. Should he have killed his daughter? I'll tell you this, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> but what to God, we don't have... We, are you in a vow where you committed yourself to kill your daughter? I don't think so. The things we vow to God, we can have this attitude. I have opened my mouth unto the Lord. I cannot go back. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father... Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. And Lord, thank you for allowing us to be able to go through the book of Judges. And help us to be able to learn from it. Lord, I I love the evening services. We're in Judges chapter 11, starting at verse 30. Because we were in Judges chapter 11, verse 29 last week. And we're just going verse by verse. 
chapter by chapter through the Bible. And it just it is what it is. Just because Jephthah sacrificed his daughter doesn't mean God was consenting of it. Father, I pray you'd help us. I pray you'd be with us. I pray you'd help us, Lord, to do the right thing the right way. We love you, Lord. In your precious name I pray. Amen.